is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For this episode, I chat with Davon Williams, and we cover it all, from life path and career to favorite books, and of course, Davon and the Spectacle, upcoming December 19th at Don't Tell Mama. So I hope you enjoy the part one of this conversation with Davon Williams. We're back. I'm Clayton Howe, and today with me on Zoom is Davon Williams. Davon, thank you for joining me today. I am excited to be here. Hey, Clayton. You are a doer. It's evident. <laughs> you do. You don't stop doing. And I can't wait to talk about each of these, uh, you know, past projects, upcoming project, Dave on the Spectacle, Don't Tell Mama, and so much more. But before we get to that, I want to take it back to the beginning of time. What were your entertainment dreams growing up? Um, they were non-existent. They were completely non-existent. Um, the reason that I got involved in like performance and film and TV and theater is because I had trouble reading at the age of six. Um, and we did Hooked on Phonics, you know, the fun big box that anyone in their 30s or older sure. very much knew Hooked on Phonics. It was a very, <laughs> it was that infomercial that ran nonstop. They had the, it was like the Rosetta Stone of its time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Every, everyone's reading issues were going to be solved, except mine. It did not work. Uh, and then um, a teaching artist came hmm. and they taught us through theater and through that engagement, not only did I excel, but I surpassed. Mm. And I was like, I want to recreate that. Mm. And then fast forward to college, um, I ended up hurting my knee. I was a wrestler. That's why I have this thick neck. Um, but I, I hurt my knee. I was like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? I was dabbling in theater. I was like, let's lean in full. I want to build these curriculums. Mm. Ended up going to the University of the Arts in Philly. Started teaching around the city. And I was like, well, I, I probably should act a little bit. So I would do a little bit more and a little bit more and a little bit more sure went to la turned into three national commercials an independent film and i'm like wait this is this is not what i got into this for but i'm not gonna stop it <laughs> yeah. i'm not gonna stop what's happening so naturally i naturally fell in and thank god i was received wow that's incredible was there a particular defining moment for you when you decided this is what i'm gonna do was there a, a moment uh, yeah time? <laughs> so I had a very interesting three years out of college. I went from coming out of college right before I was working at the Walnut Street Theater as an actor. Mm. Like I just, I was upset with like the casting options at school. Mm. And I was like, I'm gonna go audition outside the school. Screw you arts. And I messed around and booked. <laughs> I messed around <laughs> and booked in desire. So then I'm like, what am I gonna do? Wait, 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 time's out. I just wanted to like, I just wanted to, I just wanted to rebel a little bit. Yeah. And it just turned into something else, which is probably the story of my life. I do something, it turns into something else. But um, I get that, I book it. And then um, from there, I get involved in the, in the uh, teaching artist world. And I go from teaching artist with yeah. the Philly Young Play to um, director of theater for the Philadelphia School District's Regional Talent Center's working million dollar contracts. And I was like, wait, managing, not working. I wasn't getting paid a million, I wish, right, but I was right. managing dollar contracts. Yeah. And that's three years out of college. So everyone around me was 50s and 60s. Oh my so I would build these curriculums and it was strong curriculum, but I would always lose when a celebrity would come to town. So Tasha Smith, who's running the game, incredible actress, incredible teacher. But no matter what, Tasha will come in and be like, hey, I want to um, have students look at a wall for $8,000. And they'd be like, great, 
you do that, Tasha. And I'd be like, well, I, I, I got kids grades up 30% and they'd be like, sit down, Davon, <laughs> you're in your early twenties. So I'm like, okay, okay, there's a lot of ageism happening. There's a, there's a lot of problems here. So yeah. I thought I need a little bit of street cred. And what was sustaining me is like, I would go in and do like Philly shakes. I did their Titus Andronicus as Aaron the Moor. And I would do these fun projects. And I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna go full in, I'm gonna get to street cred and I'm gonna come back. Hmm. And the defining moment for me was um, I get to LA, I book this lead in a film and I start learning about the budgets and hmm. I start learning about how the actual money works. And I'm like, oh my God, if I go full in, I can do some serious damage change wise. Like there's some real reform that can happen if you put real like power players who are in this to like build good. So I was like, fuck it, I'm in it. Like, let's do it. Like yeah. I wanna I wanna go full in on this entertainment thing and get the street cred. Cause right now, even the to this day, even some of the celebrities that I go to and be like, hey, I need your help, they're just not dependable. Mm -hmm. So at some point you gotta build the brand for yourself because only you know how to execute your vision. Mm. Mm, where does this come from? Is this taught? Nerd. Do you read books? It just comes yes. out of you? And I read a lot of books. I'm a big nerd. I'm, I think once once the jawline goes, people will see, oh, he's a nerd. <laughs> like, I think people are distracted. <laughs> I like to do push-ups. I like to look active. But once all the... <laughs> Once all the, I got two more years. Once all the looks are gone, they'll be like, no, that was one of the nerdiest people. And we just didn't see it. Not two years. Books, <laughs> I got two years left, especially with the work I'm doing. This hairline is holding oh. for dear Lord. It's like, it's like Robin's parents in the Batman movie. You know, Dick Grayson, his parents just let go. That's <laughs> my, my hairline's about to go into a life of crime fighting. <laughs> Oh, goodness gracious. What, uh, <laughs> how about, okay, so uh, favorite books? Are there any that stand out? Top one, two, three? Uh, yeah, so of course, Obama's never-ending book. His, his, his Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> I just made it through that 700 uh, pager. Um, Stacey yeah. Abrams is, I think, a sleeper cell when it comes to books. Like, if you just want to know how to lead, it's Stacey Abrams. Because she's teaching you how to lead in real time. Um, I love Malcolm Gladwell. What I love best about Malcolm Gladwell is he'll come back three books later and be like, so everything I told you before is bullshit, don't trust it, um, here's the new stuff. But it's so data-driven and I'm a data-driven person. Um, another book, uh, if, if you really wanna get into it, um, Ely Wazell I just think is a great writer, but um, I'm really into comic books because I think it is the, and I said this way before even the MCU popped out, I was like, they, are so advanced when it comes to storytelling. Just the way that they have figured out how to tell a story mm -hmm. is definitely gonna lead the way that we tell stories in the future. And we're seeing it now with the MCU. Everybody's rushing to do these things that they've been doing for decades in comic books. Um, I'm very big on a lot of the uh, economic books that are out there. Yeah. I tend to switch to and fro and stuff like that because I just love hearing people's theories on a system that is so unclear and complex and like controlled. But um, it, that's been really good. Oh man, I can go forever. I've kind of weaned myself off the like acting approach books and I've gotten yeah. more into the producing books. I think mm -hmm. those are where the real, the real money makers are because what I think a lot of producers are doing but they don't understand they're talking about trends Mm. on a level that is kind of masterful. Mm. Like how? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? They're speaking on trends of um, stories that are being told or ones that we see to be upcoming? 
No, just good business practices. For example, um, the normal Broadway show costs around 11 million. Um, 11 million, uh, the normal touring show union is around 4.5, a non-union is less. So get into this. I can open a show. The show can be incredibly popular. Let's say I wanna do, give me something like SpongeBob. I'm gonna do Beyonce the Musical. Love it. Beyonce the Musical. I'm in. Um, we're gonna do 11 million. Okay. Now, what I do know, yeah. is that if I get myself a fierce Beyonce huh. and she's able to do all the Beyonce-ing, um, people around the country are going to want to see Beyonce. There is an, a built-in crowd for that. Sure. So Broadway doesn't even have to do well. It doesn't mm -hmm. have to do well because in a touring show, the guarantees are six figures around the 300,000 mark. I am almost guaranteed to make a million dollars a week. It's too big to fail. But the catch is Broadway producers, because it's a small group, yep. have done such a good job of being like, God, we aren't making any money. And it's such a it's such a scam. It's such a they are making so much money. But it's down, it's it's money in the back end. It's it's yeah. longevity. It's just it's such good business. Yeah. And the thing is people don't see it because they think Hollywood, they think the bigger things, but these people are making a million dollars a week and let the let the show be Hamilton. They're making a yeah. million dollars on the road here, a million dollars here, they're making a million dollars on Broadway. Yeah. And then on top of that, they understand how subsidiaries work. Yeah. So that means if one show goes down, the whole thing isn't getting sued. It's, it's brilliant. And it's everyone sleeps on these Broadway producers. It's honestly, mm. I love acting. I love memorizing some lines, but I know for a fact I transition out. I will be transitioning up into yeah. producing because that's imagine yeah. producing your own shit. We're up here talking about EDI and diversity and all this other BS when actuality we can go take $10,000 and change the game, but they don't teach you that. No. And the other thing that I realized with this and I, and I do it to empower any writer or performer creator really is that you probably have a network of your own people who believe in your work and either they've invested heavily at your university, heavily in your you know, the church, community, whatever, who are willing to invest in you in a show and then you immediately can become a co-pro on a, mm -hmm. you know, be a producer, not just the writer of a show or even larger, right? Lead it. But it's got such a, there's such a separation. It's like, what is producing? Oh, I don't know. And no one says anything. So we don't know what it is. So we'll leave it for the people who know. But it's very, what you just broke down, it's, it's quite simple in a way <laughs> and highly lucrative. <laughs> it so. is. It, it's, it's, for me, I always put it to like, remember when we were in school and everyone's like, hey, so we're going to do a group project. And you look for the person that does all the work. <laughs> That's the producer. That's the producer. They know just as much as everybody else, but they're willing to do the work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's so funny. I love that we jumped right into this because I, I, I do want to, I, I, we're going to hop around here today. So I appreciate it. Um, growing, I got it. I want to take it back. <laughs> A younger Devon. <laughs> uh, what did you, what did your family teach you about work ethic? Oof. Um, so you ever hear of a show called The Wire? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So The Wire is based on Little Melvin Williams. Yeah. Um, that is the uncle of a guy named Nathaniel Williams. That's my dad. Um, and what I learned about business mm -hmm. is that you hustle and you hustle hard. And life is what you make it. Mm -hmm. And if there is a ceiling, then you get a, if there's a glass ceiling, you get a hammer. Mm -hmm. If the door is locked, you find a window. Mm -hmm. If things still aren't 
working for where you're trying to go, uh -huh. you build it. Um, that's what I was taught. Um, when it comes to my mom's side of the family, I was taught to commit. And to me, that's probably more important than all the business stuff. Mm -hmm. um, half the game is just showing up. And you know this because you, you run a podcast. Um, and one thing I learned is you can set a time, you can set a date, you can set reminders, and sometimes people still won't show up. <laughs> it's just it's exhausting. Um, so half the game is just yeah. showing up. And I got that gift very early. It's also amazing when you set a goal, what you can accomplish. Because I, when mm -hmm. I started this show, I was like, how the hell am I going to have a new episode every week? <laughs> and here we are. We're going up to four years on it. You know what I mean? It's just insane. Mm -hmm. You make the time for what matters. And you can do it. How about kindness? What do your parents teach you about kindness? nothing um okay. eat them all sharks in the right. water destroy no i'm joking yeah, of no, course kindness kind, yes yeah. <laughs> 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 no, kindness uh that's that's kind of what you lead with i think yeah. if anything sometimes i laugh at myself now because i'm like oh i'm kind to a fault sometimes i can <laughs> see the red flag and still like no go with it they can change or no we can turn it around <laughs> um but i think in the end kindness is key i can't recall a time where I've gotten something and kindness wasn't a factor. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. This, the it's yes. Yes. I have nothing to add to that. The, uh, cause I completely agree. <laughs> permission, especially with producing, creating your own stuff, giving yourself permission, asking for permission. How has that evolved in your mind? How have you opened that up? Permission? Yeah. Taking permission. What is that? What is that? I just it. only know how to take. No, well, I'm joking. Okay. Um, <laughs> For me, it's that's a very complex question because permission, yes, we give ourselves permissions every day. I give myself permission to get up. I give myself permission to breathe. I give myself, sometimes it's involuntary, of course, but mm -hmm. I give myself things. We give ourselves things all the time. It's specifically what you're focusing on. For me, one of the biggest lessons, and this is what the cabaret is about, is giving myself permission to be human. It's giving myself permission to be flawed. It's giving myself permission to ask for help. To be like, oh my God, I don't know what any of this is. It's going to take me years to figure it out. Please help me. <laughs> and humbling myself to be like, hey, I come to you saying I don't know. And I'm at your mercy and I have to trust you. Mm. Has that gotten easier? Yeah. Is yeah. there... When I, I think... Yeah. I think it's just like rehearsal. You come in the first time, you're like, whew. Oh my God, that A did not come out the way I thought it would. Hmm. And then after a while, you get with a voice teacher, you do that, you run it a couple of times and that tenor A is something you're not thinking about. Now you're singing tenor C's. It's, it's that idea of just rehearsing it. Repetition, yeah. Meisner. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that. I love that. How about mentors? Uh, previous or present mentors? Are there any with standout lessons? Um, let's see. There's the mentors that you talk to every single day. There's sure. the mentors that don't know that they're mentors. Like Barack Obama is a mentor. Mm -hmm. And I understand that it's not Barack Obama, President Barack Obama, forever President Barack Obama. It's the idea of Barack Obama. And mm -hmm. sometimes it's that idea, like, don't meet your heroes. There's certain mm -hmm. people that are such huge mentors to me that I'm like, God, I can never meet them. I can never meet them because my fear is it will, it will destroy whatever image or drive that I have. So yeah, I do have mentors, um, specific mentors. I interchange them based on the situation. Um, mm. For example, let's see, there's Malcolm Gladwell, I think is another mentor where I just follow what he says and just really listen to what he's saying. I don't think his 
I don't think anyone's word is like law, but it's definitely someone I'm like, wow, how did you get there? Data. Wow. I love it. Mm. Do you have daily rituals, things you do repetitively each day? Meditation or where you wake <laughs> up or where you go to bed or? No. Okay. Do you have any? Um, I, I, I try. It does not. There is no consistency in my life. And maybe that's the one consistent thing. It's the life of an artist. <laughs> I, I'm telling you, you know, especially with producing, no two days are the same ever, <laughs> ever. <laughs> do you have any, um, do you have any text you refer to daily or standout quotes? I mean, I don't know if anything comes to mind. Yeah. Um, my God, uh, there's okay. So. Uh, this isn't a visual podcast, so I show it. But I have like, as people like make fun of, it, it's like you have your book of spells. But mm -hmm. there's literally whenever I hear something that someone's like, "Oh, that's amazing," I literally write it. I'll go into it and then I'll close it. And then sometimes I'll come back and be like, "Oh, is there an answer to anything that's going on right now?" Mm -hmm. Flip the book and it just happens to be there. I'm so big on this moves me. Let me write it down. Let me document it. Let mm -hmm. me save it for an. Another time it's going to come into play like a Pokemon. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing how loud they speak to you too, depending on what you read when you read it. You know, it's yeah. That's mm. yeah. Um, how have you gotten better at communicating? Well, if we go back to the idea of asking for help, that's huge. Because sure. um, I've been stuck on this idea of got to be Superman. You got to do it all. And that's, mm. I remember asking about a lot of people who were like, BIPOC or diverse in some way, just being like, hey, when's the last time you got to be basic? Hmm. You know, when's the last time you just got to be basic? And some most of the times you can't really you're you're not. I'm not given permission to make a mistake. I think about that even recently with the Black Theater Matters bill and stuff like that. Hmm. Had I made a major misstep, there were sharks in the water waiting. Hmm. Um, so when it comes to communicating, I've always been so like down to the T, let's get as specific as we possibly can. So communication has never really been an issue for me, mm. but I do understand that communication in my world and a lot of a lotters and a lot of others, sorry, is a huge sector of stress, if that makes sense. Mm. When people use the word communicate, for me, that is a very stressful thing because mm. I understand of all the ways you can communicate. Mm. Uh, kinesthetic response, things of the like, it's just, Ooh, that's a very loaded word. But when it comes to being a better communicator, I think it's being better about asking and being upfront about what my needs are. Right yeah. now, that's what I'm working on. Because um, I'm I'm a doer, I'm a giver. I want to see things succeed. I want to see them through. And oftentimes yeah. I neglect myself. So that internal communication is the one that I'm sharpening. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>